even know that actually the air changes every two and three minutes in oh. the plane. It, they take plane uh, air from the outside. So actually, when you keep it on, it's better ventilation I for you. Mm. And wash your hands or san- use sanitizer as often as you can. Did we not say that? That feels like some really obvious. That. I feel like that that's just a given. It shouldn't so. be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had a lot of good ideas, though. So. <laughs> RTI, exercise for your mind. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? In the heart of Taipei, there's a little piece of old Russia... It serves up cakes fit for a czar, but with a twist Taiwanese enough to appeal to local tastes. This is Cafe Astoria, a sweet little cafe with roots in bitter exile. Last week, the cafe's current owner, Karen Jian, told us about its founding by one George Elsner, a member of the Russian czar's Imperial Guard. Elsner was forced to flee Russia when the Bolshevik Revolution broke out. Like many Russians opposed to communism, he fled to the fledgling Republic of China. There in Shanghai, he founded the original Cafe Astoria with a group of fellow Russian exiles. Still, even here, Elsner wasn't safe from communism. In 1949, Chinese communists took over, and Elsner was forced to flee and start over yet again. He and other Russian exiles were now stateless. All he and his fellows could do was retreat with the government to Taiwan, its final bastion. We heard how here in Taipei, Elsner met Karen's father, the young Archibald Jian, with whom he restarted the cafe in a new home. Karen's father would eventually buy out the business. Karen told us how her father reinvented Russian dishes to match what was available in Taiwan, changing in the process what Taiwanese people were willing to eat. She told us how her father championed chocolate birthday cake in particular. This week, we start out with another way that Karen's father helped change Taiwanese culture. Back then, people are more geared to boys or men. Women's rights are not being seen yet. So girls' birthday, they only give them pork feet or noodles or anggu kui. It is a Taiwanese traditional red bean bread to celebrate girls' birthday. So I think my father introduced this chocolate cake for all the girls to celebrate their birthdays. And I think it's a way to also let people to make this equal treatment with men for women's rights. We've already heard about a few of the cafe's signature dishes. The borscht, of course, and also the fish aspic once served to Russian royals. Now for a look at a few of the cafe's other signature dishes. Among them, desserts that were also once reserved for the Tsars. Of course, our Napoleon is really good. One of our specialties, our mazuka, we call it mazuka cake. It's one of our signature cake. The recipe is actually for Russian royals. 
and our marshmallow treats. It's also the Royals' recipe. But far from just adapt recipes due to shortages of certain ingredients, the cafe has gone out of its way to create new flavors with a basis in Russian tradition, but appealing to contemporary Taiwanese tastes. It's a very competitive market in Taiwan, especially for bakery, and so we need to put in some fusion of Taiwanese fruit, such as dragon fruit, and also the raspberry or our green tea. It's imported from Japan, so we try to create more variety to have the Taiwanese customer to have more choices. Last week, Karen told us how much of the cafe's clientele was made up of business people and more. Upper class types. There were also a few political VIPs. One particularly notable patron, Jiang Jingguo, son of Chiang Kai-shek and president from 1978 until his death in 1988. He had studied as a youth in the Soviet Union, where he met his wife, born Faina Ipatyevna Vakhrieva, who would live out the rest of her days here in Taiwan. The first couple became frequent customers. In the 50s, even the first family members, Jiang Jingguo's family, his wife, she is from Russia, so she is also our royal customer, and she became the first lady. They often come to Astoria for casual lunch or dinner, or celebrate the New Year. Their Russian New Year celebrations always conducted in Astoria Cafe. Then there were the artists. These were the sorts of people that Karen's parents loved and admired, and they made their cafe a welcoming place for them. In the 60s, there are a lot of celebrities, and then many novels, authors, artists, photographers, and they were all born in Astoria. Both of my parents loved to study, and they regret not be able to complete their university education due to World War II, and also at that time the financial situation. So they both transferred their passion for education and provide Astoria Cafe as a comfortable and friendly space for all people who need a place to study. I'm truly proud that my parents' kind-hearted gesture, Astoria Cafe, did inspire many people because. National treasures from scholars to poets, novelists, directors, artists, photographers, and many important novels and poets and art was all created and made in the Storia Cafe. Karen says she worries that if she were to name some of the greats that once graced the cafe, she would leave out some others, and people would get offended. A fairly complete list is available in English and Chinese on the cafe's website. I, however, have no such qualms, and I feel a particular need to give a few shoutouts to my favorites. First is the artist Yang Sanlang, whose son I've interviewed. Then there is San Mao, a Taiwanese poet with a tragic life, whose song "Olive Tree" is the best and most haunting Taiwanese song there is, as far as I'm concerned. Then there was the poet Zhou Mengjie, who set up shop on the pavement in front of the cafe with a stand selling his works. I may be a bit of a philistine, but even I know that these and all the rest are names that made Taiwan's 20th century art scene. In 1989, the cafe closed down, and it would be many years before it would return. I ask, what was behind the decision to close? At that time, due to financial crisis, the start market 
crashes and many foreign coffee brands have imported into Taiwan and McDonald's are everywhere. Plus, many hotel chains rises and a store cafe can compete with the mainstream. And at that time, the whole situation that my father has no choice is a heartbroken thing that he had to close down the cafe for 15 years. Given everything Karen has just said, why did her father then decide to reopen over a decade later? And why did she decide to come on board and eventually take over operations? Had her role in the cafe's future been in the works the whole time? Or did she take some convincing to move back from the U.S., where she was then living? Because my parents, as I mentioned, love literature. And Astoria is a historic culture and art landmark in Taipei. It's not a big space. However, it contains endless heart-touching stories. And it continues. He really wanted to encourage more younger generation to come to Astoria to witness this priceless legacy. And then also, because our bakery never closed down, so he wanted the younger generation to taste this heartwarming coffee and this royal dessert from Russians. People thought that we were crazy to reopen it, but my father has this commitment and courage. He wanted this legacy to continue. Then I moved back from Los Angeles to fulfill his dream. I just came back and um, just like Mikey said, just do it. (laughs) Yes, I have no hesitation. But people thought that I was out of my mind. It was a lot of hard competition. Because when I moved back to Taipei, our street is really dead. It's like a ghost town because all the business moved to Dongxu, to Xingyichu, to around Taipei 101. So our neighborhood is really just a financial district and all the businesses really, really down and I would say just very miserable. We were really blessed that uh, we could sustain for 71 years until now. Well, I can't speak for the neighborhood as a whole, but on its own little patch of turf at least, Cafe Astoria has turned things around. Now, in its third incarnation, it's a happening place every day of the week, filled with people looking for a cup of coffee, literary inspiration in a storied atmosphere, or a taste of a vanished world and its royal, century-old recipes. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. In October of 1949, with the Chinese Civil War drawing to a close, the Nationalist soldiers retreated to a tiny island known as Jinmen, or Kuomoi, less than two kilometers from the southeastern coast of China and more than 300 kilometers from Taiwan. The People's Liberation Army was never able to capture the island for the communists. And today, the secrets of how the Nationalists kept control of Jinmen can be found buried throughout the island in the form of landmines, dead soldiers, and underground tunnels. 
I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, we're going on a subterranean walk. 貼緊台灣的羊耳朵, an ear to the ground. At the bus terminal in Jincheng, which is the main town in Jimen, we enter a tunnel which cuts down into the earth. It's a dark, dank, concrete passageway that zigzags through the center of town, connecting all of the major buildings like City Hall, a high school, a post office, a couple of banks, and even a theater. There are 27 entrances in total. By the early 1960s, there was already a significant number of underground paths below Jincheng, but it wasn't until 1979 that they were linked together with a long concrete tunnel that stretches more than two and a half kilometers, forming the longest and most significant of Jinmen's 12 military base tunnels. Today, only a little over a kilometer is open to the public. The tunnel's outfitted with seven turrets from which soldiers can shoot. There's also a generator, an underground well, 15 air raid shelters, 16 water pumps, 24 intercoms, and a command center. About six to seven minutes into the walk, we hear an unusual noise and the lights go out. This is a simulation of what an air raid might sound like. For about 100 meters, we walk in almost complete darkness. I'm at the back of the line, so they've given me a flashlight, just in case it's needed. A little ways further and we make a sharp turn and continue down the tunnel, passing by exits that lead to various city landmarks. By the end of our walk, we'll have passed underneath almost all of the main downtown area of Jincheng. Another section of tunnel is also black, and this time the simulated fighting noises are even louder. I try to imagine what it must have been like in August of 1958 when the PRC began firing some 450,000 shells at the island. Many of those shells would end up being pounded into cooking knives, which today are still a popular souvenir for trips to Jinmen. At one point, the ceiling dips to about 160 centimeters. That's about 5 foot 2 inches high. And that's also the reason why some of the people in our group opted to wear hard hats during the walk through the tunnel. Eventually, we climb a flight of stairs and find ourselves back above ground in a small display area with light streaming in through windows. They ask for my flashlight back, and with my eyes still adjusting to the sunlight, we head on to our next destination, with a little more insight on how the island of Jinmen has been able to stand its ground as arguably the most important of Taiwan's frontline islands.
With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast. This is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan. How are you doing, Ellen Chu? I'm doing just fine. Excellent. Okay, so I heard that we are going to have some beach party today. Every day is a beach party with you, mm-hmm. Ellen Chu, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But today in particular, uh, we're going to uh, talk about sandy beaches and sandy witches. Wow, interesting. <laughs> of course, always linked to food. But, you know, talking about beach experience, of course, you know, we just went to a beach party together, right? We did. This is our first beach party together. Exactly, and it's for Rihanna's class party actually that's and right. the, the school year we had an amazing i mean beach party where we had like water you know activities and at night we had barbecue you know and we had some performances we had fireworks i mean that was you know one great party I got to ride on my first ever, like, uh, jet ski. Yes, and I got, like, kicked on the face, you know, <laughs> and also I got a swollen cheek for two weeks. A two weeks? Yeah. Oh, Ellen Chu. But, you know, recently, just last week, I went to Zhunan, which is south of Xinzhu. Oh, on the west. And, right, and then we went surfing. How was that? That was amazing, too, because, you know, always... Hear a lot of people going like surfing in Taiwan. They go to Yilan. They go to the east coast, like right. southeast or northeast coast. Right. Yeah. But you know, uh, one of our friend, he actually found this, you know, small beach side where there's pretty nice surfing. You know, you know, good waves, and you know, the th- amazing thing was that there was a person in charge of the beach who is so passionate about the ocean. Wow. You know, he said he moved there, you know, with 30,000 NT. That's like a thousand US dollars. Right. And then, you know, he rented a small shack there with Mm -hmm. his year, year and a half year old, you know, year and a half year old daughter Mm. living there. And it started out with renting out like, you know, surfboards for 300 NT per hour. Amazing. And now he's actually, you know, uh, expanded his business, but he really want to keep the beach area not too crowded. Yeah. He doesn't want to promote where everybody comes, but he wants to, you know, pitch to people on how to embrace with, you know, nature. I think that's really important because some places they like to pack you onto the beach and you never really have a natural experience. Right. So, you know, walking to that beach, it was like, you know, I had a a four-day vacation there. Three nights, four day, three nights. But the experience was like, I felt like I was in Maui. Wow. Or I felt I was like in Hawaii. Wow. And um, the thing was that, 
you know, my child was signed up to have surfing lesson with him. You know, what really impressed me was that, you know, this, 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 this person who was in charge, you know, he really wanted to install the, the right mindset for this, these children mm. is that he wants them to respect the ocean. Wow. You know, and that was the thing that caught my, you know, caught my attention because, you know, I've been to surfing classes, you know, in different resorts. And they're always like, okay, we're going to go surfing. And this is, you know, what we have to watch out. One, two, three. Okay, are we ready? Let's go. But he really spent like 30 minutes not only talking about the safety, but also, you know, how you respect the ocean. Wow. So he, you know, he, he ended the class saying that, you know, you might not be able to surf after this two-day class, but I want you to learn that you really respect and understand how to respect the ocean. That's so great. I yeah. love it, Ellen Chu. I'm going to have to get the details. I'm going to have to go there myself. Yeah, you should meet him. Yeah, yeah. do a little surfing. Mm-hmm. Mm, surfing. You will like the, the, the owner there. You know, he's 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 quite a character. Mm. Mm-hmm. A Taiwanese guy. Taiwanese guy. Wow, like yeah. middle-aged, like... Uh, he's young, a few a few years younger. I think your age. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, so like 25. Yeah, like 25 <laughs> years old. He's still young. Yeah. All righty. Well, that sounds like my cue to play the menu music find out what's on today's show okay Okay, so in our first course we'll begin by looking at how the humble sandwich got its name that's Hmm. right sandwich you ever thought about is there is it sand related wow huh in our second course i'll look at taiwan's best known sand castle event and what's changed this year because of the pandemic And in a third and final course will be simply a well-known sandwich from Taiwan that you want to bring it to the beach. That's right. Just don't get any sand in your witch, okay? Right. (laughs) right. We're going to start off with a song called San Ming Zhi, which is how you say sandwich in Chinese, right? Mm -hmm. Some people say San Wen Zhi. Is that like Cantonese? uh, That's Cantonese. San Wen Zhi. San Wen Zhi. San Wen Zhi. Which sounds like sandwich, right? Yes. Why is this San Ming Zhi? It's not Sam Mitch. (laughs) <laughs> no, but it's Sanwen, Wenzhang the Wen. But why in Chinese, like Mandarin, it's Sam, Sam Ming? I don't know. I don't know. It's a big question that we don't have the answer to. Right. <laughs> you know, because I just want people to know we don't know everything. Right. We know a lot, but not exactly. everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So here's a song. It's by Wee Wee, and we'll be back in just a moment with a look at how the sandwich got its name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 上把照片当城堡好 right, we are back on the first course of today's Feast Meets West, and we are talking about sandy witches, or just sandwiches. And, uh, you know, I got inspired because we'll be eating some sandwiches in today's show to find out where the name sandwich comes from. 
Do you know where the mm. name sandwich comes from? Hmm. Do you know what a sandwich is? Let's start off by defining what is a sandwich. What counts as a sandwich? I think um, something has to be in between two slices of uh, triangular slices of toast. To- oh, no, no, no. Not, not, not necessarily <laughs> like bread. It's just bread, right? Right. So it could be triangular. It could be square. Mm-hmm. Like what about on a bun? So like mm. a hoagie or a submarine sandwich. It counts if it's on a bun, right? Mm-hmm. So then my question for you is, is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, no. Why not? Because it's rolled inside. It's not like two separate slices. So it has to be cut straight through. Right. So then a Subway sandwich is not a sandwich. Subway sandwich. Well, it is because it's cut straight through. It's not. It is. No. No, it's not like always. top and bottom. No? no, not always. Oh. Uh, well, well, okay, so a hamburger is cut straight through. Does that make it a sandwich? No. Mm. It has like hot meat, cold stuff in between. <laughs> so a sandwich has to be cold. Well, so when we what have about a like, grilled cheese, we have grilled cheese as a hot sandwich. <laughs> Some menu they have hot sandwich and cold sandwich. That's true, right? But you would never put a hot dog or hamburger no. under hot sandwiches, would you? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So then, my question for you is: I have another important question. This is like when we were talking about soups, and do they have to be hot or cold, right? This similar topic, right? Mm-hmm. So, is anything Taiwanese considered a sandwich? Uh, so, like guapao. I think so. You think that's a kind of sandwich? For me, I think it's a sandwich. It's a Chinese sandwich, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if it's a Western sandwich, it has to be between two uh, loaves of bread. Two loaves of bread? No, no, no. Two (laughs) top and bottom, a loaf of bread that is, you know, it's like. Yes. (laughs) Bread. A square ship shaped bread. Okay. It's confusing. I know it's confusing. I'm I'm confused too. That's why I'm asking questions, not giving you answers. Because I don't know. Okay. So, dear listener, if you have a very strong opinion about this, please send us a letter and let us know. Sandwich is always like like top and bottom, okay? It has to be slapped down, okay? And then you fill something in between. I'm okay with that. I think it'd be weird to have a sandwich that was sideways. Well, what is it called? Why is it called club sandwich? Club sandwiches are sideways. Right? The filling right. is pointing straight up. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. What club is this? <laughs> it's a sailing club. I think it is a sailing club. Right. I think because they look like little sails, right. right? Okay. I'm glad we came to a consensus on that. Okay. So the sandwich is actually named after its supposed inventor, who was John Montague. Wait, wasn't he in Romeo and Juliet? Was he? Yeah, Romeo Montague, Montague. And, and Juliet Capulet. Okay. These are different people, For, Fourth Earl of Sandwich. So, Sandwich is a place name. Okay. Now, according to the British Sandwich Association, the Earl asked for beef between two slices of bread so that he could eat while he was continuing to play cards. See, two slices of bread. <laughs> okay. And his friends asked to have the same as sandwich. And so that it became a sandwich. Mm-hmm. So the first written record of the sandwich was in 1762, and the Kent town of Sandwich, which is the earldom of the Montague family, celebrated the 250th anniversary of the meal in 2012. Mm. And you know how they celebrated? 
They made sandwiches. <laughs> Different kind of tuna sandwiches, salami sandwiches, you know, peanut butter sandwiches. Okay, I bet. all kinds. The one thing they didn't make was peanut butter and jelly because okay. they don't call it jelly. They call it jam. Okay. Peanut yeah. butter and jam. Peanut butter and the jam. The Wall Street Journal once described the sandwich as Britain's biggest contribution to gastronomy. Wow. <laughs> and of course, the food critic Egan Rone is a defender of the British sandwich. He said that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He dismissed what he called the attack as coming from the home of junk food. I find this quite oh, extraordinary. Wow. That is a battle <sighs> of food. That is okay. a food battle, folks. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, go into a song. When we come back in just a moment, we're going to tell you about Taiwan's best-known sand castle event. Mm-hmm. This song is about beaches, which is very appropriate. All right. It's called uh, Shatan. So, the yeah. beach. This is by Tai Jianya. That's right, Tanya Tai. Mm. Back in a moment when the feast continues. We have a spider in the studio. He is huge. He's walking out right now. I see him now. He's going to go behind those, those Bienvenido, you know, wall installment, which is okay. The Bienvenido wall installment. He better not come towards me. Okay. but He's he, coming in my direction, Ellen, too. I'm not very excited about this. It's okay. Okay, let's talk about our sandcastle. That's right. So there's this amazing sandcastle event in Taiwan, and it happens every year. However, this year is a little bit different. And the reason why it's different is because uh, it is a pandemic that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And it's usually the International Sandcastle Competition. However, because, you know, of COVID-19, people aren't really traveling. Mm-hmm. So all these sandcastle masters are no longer coming to Taiwan. Ooh. So instead of having a competition, they're just having a display. Okay, so this year they have a theme which is called Mong Shi Jie. So the sleepwalk world of the giant. 
I love it. Wow. And so they've created it's these... It's kind of like Wonderland, okay? It is like a Wonderland. Okay. The Wonderland of the Giant. Mm-hmm. And they've created all of these beautiful displays. They have a massive pyramid, which looks like it's record-breaking in terms of size. Mm. Um, this began on May 30th, and it's going to go all the way until September 30th of this year. Wow. And... So the entire display would have interactive events, and then they have the world largest one person 55 so it's a it's a meter? sculpture of a person who's 55 Meter. meters okay it's a giant that's why i call it wonderland of the mm-hmm. giant so the giant uh it looks like a her herself right. is massive and they also have a pyramid a big like egyptian pyramid yes and then at uh, during the sunset uh, period of time, you will see the sunset. You're piercing through the top where they have a hole. Oh, wow. So it's like a little eclipse that mm-hmm. happens every day, Ellen wow. Chu. Well, that's amazing. So, well, if you're around in Taiwan, mm-hmm. maybe you can go see it. And if you don't, maybe you can see it on the internet. I would recommend looking at it. If you look at this, we have, we're looking at pictures here. Mm-hmm. And it's such a big 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 sculpture even like the pyramid you can see people climbing up on top of it that's how big it is do you mm. see the little little tiny people there climbing wow, up on the pyramid interesting so these are not just little castles like you may have built when you were a child on the beach mm-hmm. these are massive massive structures now if you're interested in going like i said they're going to be open until september 30th um, so four months of uh, time to go and have a look at it. Mm. And it opens every day from Monday through Sunday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they don't let you in after 5.30. And it's only like three U.S. dollars per person to go and look at it. Very um, nice. And you can do a little search for Fulong, F-U-L-O-N-G, International Sand Sculpture Art Festival mm-hmm. if you'd like to see what those sculptures look like. And we'll have a link in the show notes below. Okay. So another song, Ms. Chu. Another song, and this is going to be Beach Blanket. That's and right. And it's by the Chalets. The Chalets. Chalets. Which I would like to have on the beach. All right. And then when we come back, we will be sampling the famous Sand Witches. Okay, we're back now on our third course, and we have two special guests in the studio. We have Claire. Hi. 
who is our work study student, right? And we have Wen Yi. Hi. And she's our intern for the summer and an expert translator. Oh. I'm working on it. Working on it. Very well, she's like the champion, okay, already. Champion already. Yeah. Prostrates translation champion. Exactly. And uh, none of those skills will be needed today because we're sampling sandwiches. Right, <laughs> right. Okay. So we have in front of us is a very famous sandwich shop. We have, it's called Hong Reiten. Right. Uh, and it looks very simple. It looks like just plain white toast sandwiches. But they're all different flavors, and people love them. Have you both had these before? Yeah, we have. We tried this before. Okay. It's Every time I go to Taichung or somewhere, right? I just it's go. originated there. Yes. It's originated from Taichung, and just you know, in the past year or two, it has you know been expanding to northern tai- Taiwan, which That's is right. Taipei. We have it in Neihu, mm-hmm. and then you got it in Xingdian. Yes, I just oh I only goodness. found out about it like yesterday when I was looking it up. But you know, I never knew that you know they had so many flavors because you know when I go there, I thought they only have like. You know the same kind, like with the ham cheese, but just you know double cheese or you know just no cheese. Uh, I mean no ham, <laughs> only cheese. But should, I I didn't know they have like jam. We should describe it. There are four slices of bread, and they have very thin layers in between them, uh, and white bread for most of them. But one does have wheat bread. The five flavors that we have. So there are eight flavors total, but I bought the most interesting five. One is called the uh, I guess the the house specialty chow pie, right? Which is what cheese. It's ham. like uh, two double cheese, and then has oh, it's like double egg. Sorry, double egg and cheese ham. Okay, and it has mayonnaise, a thin right. layer of mayonnaise between it. Then we have manhan, which is like the big feast sandwich. Right, it's like double of each. So it's like it's what we just explained, but two times that much. Right. Then we have a strawberry one. Which has cheese and mayonnaise as well. Interesting, because you know normally we add like peanut butter with you know strawberry jam or you know orange jam, but never like something salty. Yeah, right? yeah. So then we have another one that's um whole wheat bread, but it's mm. also got egg and ham. Right. And cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm so confused. And then we have one that's kumquat jam. Kumquat. Okay. Jinji. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But. The thing is that it looks like a club sandwich. It does look like a club sandwich, right? And they've cut the crusts off. Well, you know, a lot of the children, you know, in my, in well, at least two of my children in my house, and I only have two, <laughs> they they both don't like the crust. <laughs> Why is that? I have no idea. It's more dry. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. So you know, I noticed that in Taiwan, a lot of people don't like crust. So in the bread store, a lot of times they they sell. Bread without crust. I know it's crazy. It's crazy, right? Are you fans of crust? Do you like crust, Claire? I do. You I do. do? Yeah. How about Wen Yi? No, I don't. Okay. Why? Why? Now we ask you why. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty dry, mm-hmm. so it kind of affects the, the how softness? the white bread. Oh. Yeah, it's like the texture is a little bit different, right? She yeah. she's the spokesperson for all the non-crusty <laughs> today. <laughs> all right, so we each have taken uh, one of these sandwiches. We've we've each taken one of each. So we're gonna start sampling them, and I want mm-hmm. you to choose your favorite flavor of the five. Mm-hmm. So which, should we start with the same one or no? Just try your own. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. Stop stop trying to make us try the same thing. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the mayonnaise is sweet. I know. 
Hmm. You don't have to finish it if it's too much. Okay. <laughs> it takes time. It takes time, and also we didn't provide any drinks, so <laughs> it's it's quite dry. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Actually, the strawberry's not bad. Hmm. Okay. Is it weird having? Is that cheese in the middle? The kumquat one. Interesting. Hmm. It's kind of sour. Right. But sweet. It has a burst of the, you know, the 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 kumquat flavor, mm. the sourness. Hmm. Mm. I actually like the kumquat one. You do, huh? And it has cheese in it. Mm. Interesting, huh? It's like sliced American cheese is what I would describe mm. it, right? Mm. I think it combines the concept of haka. So, mm. so they oh. use the yeah. The Hakka people, you know, tr do this? They, they have do, something similar? They do kumquat. They, yeah, yeah, they do kumquat with okay. the meat. Mm. Oh, mm. interesting. It's like a soy sauce for mm. them, yeah. Mmm, okay. I like the strawberry. I knew you would like the strawberry. <laughs> Ellen Chu always likes strawberry. Yeah, anything with strawberry. <laughs> How about you two? Have you, uh, have you sampled enough to make a decision? <laughs> 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 See, Ellen and I are professionals. Uh -huh. I've taken a bite of each of them. <laughs> <laughs> and we finish all of them. Okay, I have a first place. I like the kumquat one. I have a first place, which is the original. You like the original? Mm -hmm. mm. How about you, Claire? Do you have any preferences? I'm thinking about which one is better original or strawberry because strawberry is kind of sweet mm -hmm. but i like the taste of the sourness mm -hmm. but the original one like it's their top selling right sandwich so i'm still thinking about it mm. <laughs> you're allowed to choose two okay <laughs> then that's fine <laughs> then it's the original and strawberry He's, she's like me no. how about you <laughs> wahi I like the original one too. And I remember that one time I put it in the freezer and then it tastes much better afterwards. In the freezer? Yeah. Wait, do you eat it straight from the freezer or do you take it out and let it thaw a little bit? No, you I, mean the refrigerator or the freezer? The freezer, but you don't okay. have to put it like for too long in the freezer. <laughs> I know, it'll be like rock. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not really. Um, unless you put it like for two to three days, of course it will. Okay. So there's been a lot of criticism of this sandwich shop online because people say that it's Who? too simple. It's not a big simple deal. Simple is more complicated. It's difficult, okay, to be good. What do you guys think? Do you, do you agree? Do you think it's a little bit too simple to be such a popular sandwich? I think it would be better with some vegetable because mm. not all people like to eat meat or cheese or mm -hmm. just jam. Mm -hmm. So... In my personal opinion, I think if with some lettuce would be better. Yeah. Mm. Maybe oh. it would go to the problem that you cannot put into the freezer or refrigerator right. that long. Mm. You yeah. probably eat it, you know, on that day. Mm. It cannot stay overnight. But I think one of the things, the reason why it's so popular is because the, it's so uniform. Like the, the slices are very right. thin and yeah. perfect. If you add something like a vegetable, then it becomes more organic, mm -hmm. right? So maybe people wouldn't like the way it looks or the texture. So I think, you know, the owner is a Virgo. How about Wenyi? What do you think? Um, actually, I couldn't understand why this sandwich is a hype too before I tasted it. Mm -hmm. And the first time I bought it, I, I was quite surprised to see that it's really simple. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't understand why it is so popular. But 
when I've tasted it, I kind of understand because it's simple, but it tastes good. Mm. Like even after two to three days, like what Alan has said, it's still soft. Mm. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of times when we come back, you know, things that you love, it's basically very simple. Mm. You know, a lot of the complicated, you know, and intricate dishes, mm. they might be good in the first bite, mm. but it's not something that it will linger, in, you know, in your head. Mm. So, you know, for me, like, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich is mm. my all-time favorite. And that's very simple. Mm. But, you know, I think if Hong Rui would ask us for suggestion on what kind of sandwich can add to their collection, I think a peanut butter plus cream cheese. Peanut butter and cream cheese. Like different layer. Ooh, I don't know if people would like that here. It's more Western. <laughs> yeah, it's more, more Western. Western. Yeah. But, you know, I think that would add to something with this kind of bread and texture mm. and cut. I think it would be good. I learned two very interesting things about this sandwich shop when I was doing research into mm-hmm. it. The first of all, there is no person named Hong Rei Chen. That's a fake name. That, that's a, name? The last name is the hey, name it's of the, the family. Artist name, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. It's like it's like a their uh, stage name. Stage name, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the the last name is the name of the family. Rei Chen is just made up because it sounds nice. The other thing that I learned is the egg in there. It's not just simple egg. They use what they call tempi. Mm. So, like, it's actually... How would you describe that in English? Well, it's kind of like a omelet skin, a very light omelet skin. So, you make right? a batter, like right. an egg. You whip it, and then you put it in a, very, a pan, very thin layer of it. And then it's very difficult to cook it like that so that it's perfect and thin. And then they cut it into a perfect triangular shape to go into the sandwich. So, it's kind of like the Japanese uh, omelet. Like, exactly. they do the... The, the the egg the layered egg mm-hmm. they have to do it like you know very carefully the very right slowly. right slow yeah. cooking yeah mm-hmm. so even though it's simple it looks simple it's there's a little bit of complexity to it which um, I guess creates their perfect uh, sandwich ratio. combination right yeah mm. well we want to thank uh, Claire and Winnie for joining us today mm-hmm. uh, for this little uh, sampling of sandwiches it's kind of like an afternoon tea yeah mm. okay yeah, good time <laughs> all right today's their first day on the uh, at, at RTI. So right. yes. welcome to RTI. Thank you. So this is a welcome party for you, okay? <laughs> and remember the sandwiches, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we want to leave you with our addresses today. Okay, our address, P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at antroo rti.org.tw. That's right. And join us for next Saturday on the feast. We're going to have another amazing fabulous episode for you to come but one final song today is called san ming zhi nuhai okay so sandwich girl and it's by jiang mei qi wow i found a song about sandwiches okay (laughs) i didn't know that she had a song about it right claire was nodding you've heard this before yeah i heard it before okay Okay. wow unique all right Right. okay so for peace news first time andrew ryan this is ellen chu and thank you once again to claire and wen yi thank you it's on flash all right we'll see you next week bye 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 Sajachao
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.